The following Art Track production is brought to you by the Gallifreyan Embassy and has been made possible by donations from listeners like you. Doctor Who Pod Shop. Okay, well, let's do it. No, I <laughs> you know, whatever it is, if it's valuable, send it to us. <laughs> <laughs> For the best in all things Doctor Who, it's Doctor Who Podshock, the podcast all about Doctor Who, the longest-running science fiction television program, with Louis Trapani, Hello. Ken Deep, Hello. James Norton, Hello. News. Fabulous. Reviews. Oh, no. And fan mail for James. Uh, 40,000. Doctor Who Podshock, from the Gallifrey Embassy and Outpost Gallifrey. You know, that guy James was really cool. Oh, yeah, what blew that? <laughs> I'm the Doctor, and who are you? Outpost Gallifrey presents Doctor Who, Pachok. This is episode 138. 138 is picking up on the heels of 137. This is part two of the two-part review of The Next Doctor, which was the 2008 Doctor Who Christmas special. And in 137, the previous Doctor Who, Pachok episode, we started with our live show, which was... Part one of two. The reason why it was part one of two is because the live show was such a popular show that ran longer than expected. We had a lot of callers on. We had some technical problems that were out of our hands as far as uh, callers not be able, uh, rather listeners not being able to listen to the show unless they actually called in. But even with those problems, we still had a tremendous amount of people at the live show So in order to facilitate everyone getting on and participating, it ran a little late. So it was a longer show than usual. So therefore, we divided it into two. And this is the second half. So now this second half is mostly listener, uh, live listener feedback, where the first half we had already did our reviews. I did my review. Ken had called in and did his review. James had um, did his review, Taras, and um, and Dave Cooper as well. So we pick up where we left off there. With uh, we had just started with listen live listener feedback, and we're going to pick it up right at that point. Next up is um, I believe it's Luke. Hello, welcome to Doctor Who Pachak Live. Hello. Hi, welcome back. Yo. Well, it's, it's kind of the first time I've actually managed to properly join in one of these chats. Oh, okay. Uh, well, what, what with, well I, I had a, a couple of tries during Series 4, um, kind of when Series 4 was on, but I was in Russia at the time, and uh, my uh, service provider kept cutting me off every five minutes. I thought so, I recognized um, your I... handle on, on the, um, you know, in the chat interface. That's why I thought you were here before. Yeah, well, no, I was. I just hadn't ever been able to speak. Um, so, yeah, no, I've, I've been listening to podcasts for quite a while now, but um, this is just my first chance to say hello, really. So, um, Fantastic. Yeah. Hi. Yeah. So what did you um, think of it? Um, well, uh, I, I enjoyed it. Um, I actually came to this episode of Doctor Who having not seen any for the whole of Advent um, because I, I'd, I'd made the... Um, you may think slightly bizarre decision to uh, take a complete break from it, um, kind of in the run up to Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I hadn't, I hadn't watched, seen, uh, read, listened to any Who for, for, for the kind of previous 25 days. Um, and uh, apart from kind of seeing all the endless adverts on BBC One, I was like, okay, this is Who for the first time in a while. And I just, I just kind of absorbed it really, and, and really, um, really got stuck in and really enjoyed it. Um, I think um, well please David Morrison please kind of bring him back Um, I mean I think uh, the way that Peter Davison ended up regenerating into Colin Baker having previously met Commander Maxill Mm -hmm. is a possible template for um, David Tennant regenerating into David Morrissey and Romana too Uh, Romana too and and Romana too as well yeah so um, I I thought he was absolutely amazing Um, and um, and I, I think it was really good. And I, I think one thing that people haven't really mentioned yet, um, there's been all these comparisons with the one Doctor, which which was there, 
but I think it was more uh, Minuet in Hell, uh, where we have somebody who, um, due to kind of some weird thing going on, thinks that they're the Doctor, um, but doesn't realise that they're not, kind of thing. Um, and I think that really, really, that really worked well. Um, and um, yeah, I really think I really think he should be a, the Eleventh Doctor because um, he's good. Um, what else did I enjoy? Um, Oh yeah, I mean, I've been banging on about the title, the uh, flashback sequence. Um, I thought that was a really good acknowledgement of the fact that this this series has a history pre two thousand and five. I mean, we had obviously Time Crash, which is kind of is that canon? Is it not? I don't really know. Um, and obviously the sketches in um, Impossible, uh, the, the Book of Impossible Things. Yeah, the Book of Impossible Things. But this was the first kind of on-screen acknowledgement of look, here's these um, eight people pre Christopher Eccleston who are the Doctor, um, and, um, hey, perhaps it's the marketing ploy to get, get kind of the economy going again by, by getting all these new fans to go out and buy all the classic series DVDs, hey, you never know. Um, but I really, really enjoyed that, and with the whole kind of um, parallel with the Sandman in Earthshot, which people have mentioned, um, I, I enjoyed that as well. Um, and, uh, yeah, Miss Hartigan, yep, excellent villain. Uh, we've not had that many female villains in the series, I don't think. Um, I mean, the, the ones that spring to mind are Hilda Winters in Robot, which, again, you've got a giant robot. Um, I wonder if there was a, a possible um, inspiration for Russell there um, with that. Um, well, we've had uh, on the, Cassandra. We've had who? Cassandra. Yeah, and then you had the... Cassandra. Oh, that, oh, yes, Cassandra, yeah. Sorry, I was thinking Cassandra, Mythmaker. And we, and we the had the Empress, the Empress, whatever her name was, um, from Runaway yeah. Bride, which I'm glad we didn't get another... I'm glad she was not like that. <laughs> no, no. And we had the Eldred that changed to a woman as well. Yes, and in fact, Eldred, Eldred as a woman was a lot better than Eldred as a bloke. So, um, yeah. No, there have been a few. I'm just saying that we haven't had many and we haven't had many who have been really good. Right. Yeah. Uh, so so yeah. Um I think my my only well, I'm not a big fan of the Cybermen, I don't think. I mean I I've I've been thinking about this recently and, and I, I really haven't appreciated any of the stories that they've been in well at least the bits that they've been involved in of, of the new series. I mean I thought that the uh, their first story, Rise of the Cybermen, was a complete mess. Um, I mean, I liked the end of series two, but I thought the Cybermen bits of that were quite weak. Um, and then I think with with this, um, they they are kind of really secondary to the to the to the story. And I thought that the, the um, redesigning of the Cyber Leader was a bit pointless. And I don't quite see how that can have happened. Um, did they kind of do that while they're in the void? Or, I mean, I don't know. That didn't seem to make any sense. Yeah. Um, and I thought the Cyber King was just a bit um, ridiculous, really. And, um, I mean, I, I, th- I think this leads, leads, leads to a, a kind of more wide point, really, is, is about the the, the, the quality uh, of the CGI in the, in the show. Um, in the, uh, on the whole, it's, it's, it's been very good on a small scale, I think, um, in, in kind of creating kind of characters and things like that. I mean, the going way back to the spiders in um, and in End of the World. Very good, little characters. But when they kind of do these ooh, um, wide panoramic shots of, of historical, in, uh, well, historical London, mainly, really, with, with kind of like the Shakespeare Code, and, mm-hmm. um, and then with this. And then, I, I mean, I was watching <clears throat> Fires of Pompeii yesterday, and with the wide shot of that, it's just like, oh, this looks a bit like a computer game. And, uh, and and it was the same with this, where you've got we've got to show a wide kind of shot of Victorian London with this big, clumpy cyber king thing. <clears throat> um, sorry, I'm losing my voice. Um, and it just I don't know, it just it just fell down, and and the it didn't quite fit for me uh, with kind of the reality of, of the rest of that world that they they'd created very well. Because I mean, people will tell you the BBC have been doing period drama for like years and they've been doing it very very well for years and all those details and things um and then you kind of cut this wide shot and um it just yeah it, just, it falls apart i think for me um and and 
yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't <clears throat> couldn't really see the point of the Cyber King. I mean, they've, we've never seen one before. The Cybermen seem to be quite happy kind of running around on the ground and, and going around in spaceships. I didn't quite see why they needed a a big sort of thing. Iron Man, um, as it were. Um, and as someone who really loves that book, um, The Iron Man, um, on which to film The Iron Giant the Space, I'm like, yep, this is a this is a very poor um poor man's Iron Man, basically. Um but I I'm think glad the goal of that was something just to to be a little bit more Christmassy than than what they were heading in a Christmas song, you mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, 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 mean, I, I agree with with a lot, a lot of what people said is that you can't really judge these Christmas specials on the um, on kind of your normal kind of merits, as it were, because they are they are a lot about a lot about spectacle, and it's just about having a bit of fun and and um, and people are kind of together and with families and stuff. And so I think people are a lot more willing to let stuff go. It seems a, a little bit ridiculous. Um, because I mean, you're getting that in all the other shows on the, on the day as well, with, with the ridiculousness of EastEnders. So, um, and I'd much much rather watch Doctor Who than EastEnders any day. So, um, so I mean, I can forgive it that. I mean, it, I, I, as I say, I really enjoyed it. I think the the main thrust of the story. I mean, it's it's, it's called the Next Doctor. It's not called the Cybermen Invade Vic, uh, Victorian London. I mean, if it was, I'd be more disappointed. It's called the Next Doctor, and so the focus for us as the viewer should be on that. What what's going on? And I, and I thought that that, as I said, was really, really well done. Um, I think David Tennant and David Morrissey played it really, really well. Um, and, and just that kind of unsure kind of this on the side of David Tennant's doctor, kind of, is this my future self? Is it not? Uh, and I liked his kind of whole thing of, um, am I going to die? Am I going to having the die? Is it going to be falling over a brick? I hope I don't. I mean, I really, really liked that, that, that element of it. Um, and um, really enjoyed it. So I think um, I anything else to say on my notes. No, I mean that's that pretty much said all, all I want to say. Really, um, I, I guess it's probably also foreshadowing to David's uh, leaving the series. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I was I was really hoping actually that that, that the BBC would have uh, well <laughs> would have wrong footed everybody. Uh, and that David Tennant was lying to the general public by saying he was going to be in the specials next year. And I was really, really hoping that at the end of this story he would regenerate um, into David Morrissey. Um, and um, I think that was that was a slight disappointment, but um, not entirely unexpected that that didn't happen. So I think overall I give it um, four TARDIS groans out of five. Um, <clears throat> that would be my, my take on it. All right. Well, thank you so much, Luke. And thanks for, I'm glad you were able to finally join us on the show. And thanks for listening. Yeah, it's absolutely good. Yeah. yeah, it's been a pleasure. Yeah, I've been following along for quite a while and <clears throat> finally have a British internet connection, which I can follow along. So thanks, guys. Cool. Fantastic. You're welcome. Thank you for putting on board. And, uh, and feel better, right. too. I think you're nursing a cold there or something. I am, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and now I'm losing my voice. So I'll, I'll sign off now. <clears throat> All right. Cheers. Cheers, mate. Take care. Here for me too. Here. Cheers. Bye. Hey, Tim. I'm on Skype. Can you hear yes. me? Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, good. <laughs> it was a little uh, delay, but we got well, to hear first, you. Well, first I can say I tried and failed to get as a semi-celebrity tonight because a friend of mine in Second Life uh, called John Hutch uh, is a TV and film extra and is in The Next Doctor. Oh, wow. Oh, thanks for And I did have a webcam chat with him yesterday, and I said, oh, well, I'm going on this live podcast, and I had to explain the whole talk shoe thing to him and talking through the website and everything, and he said he'd try to get on, and I noticed about an hour or two ago he was in the chat, but he didn't seem to be in the audio, so he, he would at least have been able to type to us. But yeah, uh, sadly, he's, uh, sadly, he's had to drop off. But um, no, I was having a fairly lengthy webcam chat with him yesterday, and he says due to his um, long hair and his particular looks, he gets quite a lot of work in um, classic dramas when they need a sort of slightly odd-looking person in the background. Well, I could do that. 
That could be rather oh. interesting in the background. There you go, Dave. <laughs> You've got plenty of time on your hands. Yeah. You need to let your hair people. down, Dave. You'd have another subject for your um, broadcast, wouldn't you? Yeah. Anyway, come on, let's hear what you thought yourself about uh, the show. Well, first, I'd like to thank James Norton, because I was keeping an eye on Twitter and various forums uh, when the episode, just after the episode, the first couple of hours, and James Norton popped up and told everyone on Twitter how much he liked it, and I thought, oh great, not not just me then. <laughs> I, was watching it and thinking, I, was, I was watching it and thinking, well, last year there was stuff I could fault about it, and you can only really compare them with the other specials. The year before, there was stuff you could fault about it, and, and so on and so forth. And I was watching it, um, and I was thinking, I can't fault this. I can imagine myself watching this another couple of times before the next special airs, because there's depth in the writing, there was a detailed story, there was decent, high-quality acting. Admittedly, the ending was over the top, and that, that is, may, may be what has lost some people, but it wasn't out of character with what Russell T. Davis does. He, he does over the top. It's his thing. Moffat does characters. Russell T. does over the top. But um, yeah. no, I had to agree with Luke uh, with his sentiments that... Um, when we saw the initial clip of David Morrissey, I thought, well, if this is a version of the Doctor, it's more sort of sixth Doctor, and therefore a bit of a big-headed uh, lummox, and not necessarily the most likable chap. But, but, but he was really good. And by the end of it, you were going, oh, why couldn't he have been the Doctor? I could watch him for a couple of years easily. Although you'd have to get used to all that um, Victorian speech. That would be um, a little strange. Well, it's still, as we were speculating before, you never know. <laughs> Stranger things have happened. Though, I'm sure if um, if the Doctor, if the David Mor uh, Morrissey does uh, come back as the Doctor, he'll probably play it a bit different than, um, than Jackson Lake did. So I gave it a good 4 to 4.5. Um... Do, 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 do you rate it really low then, Lewis? Is, is it um, a, I get, a love and I gave it four out of five postponements. Oh, good. You did like it then. Yeah, I guess you missed the beginning part of this podcast where I. Yeah, yeah, well, I had a heck of a lot of trouble getting the audio. Oh, yeah, you, you went uh, along. It was a real <laughs> case of um, assistance pays. And so I was killing time by watching my DVD of The Next Doctor and webcamming with a friend. And then suddenly I could hear the call, so I turned down the next doctor and sort of had it in the background at a low level and was watching it again. I mean, I quite liked the Cyber King. It was silly. It was, uh, you could even call it non-canonical because it doesn't fit in with anything that's remotely been in the show before. Well, that's a good point because the doctor Russell seems to recognize it and knew what it was. Canon. Yet, and I we've think never we have seen to it. Recognize he's setting up his own canon. Yeah. That's separate from what's been before. He wants to make this the new Doctor Who. And that's why when you do see the old show in it anywhere in clip or in illustration or anything, it's usually quite fleeting. So as not to confuse people that are unfamiliar with it. But um, we have. Um, Julie Gardner to thank for the little flashback sequence of the previous Doctors. As I was uh, checking out the commentary on uh, Boxing Day, and it got to that little flashback, and I half expected Russell to say, and of course I insisted on this, and Julie kicked in and said, oh, well, this was, of course, my idea. <laughs> well, And apparently in the actual written script, all it says is... They see images of the doctor. It didn't go into any detail. And mm. it was her idea for it to be a treat for the fans. So, yeah. um, it could have just as well been, you know, uh, the tenth doctor images, you know. And so we're, we're thankful to get some sort of, you know, that, that history back in the show. Anytime, but, but, you know, they do do that, we are, you know, ever so. Very, 
bitter things said about this episode on forums. Uh, someone even went as far to say, oh, we were lied to. The title is a lie. And I thought, well, just like the doctors, yeah, the water, I mean, it's, people... It's dishonest. But it, the title's merely there to rope us in. Yeah. Well, the title's also in the dialogue as well. Yes. Well, he does say, oh, you could be the next Doctor. Or the next but one. Yeah. Right. And I, I don't think I felt cheated, though. No, no, I thought, I thought they found an original way around what could have been a problem for them. Because... They might have written in that he's like the next but one doctor, and then four or five years from now, when that part comes up, David Morrissey says, no, I've changed my mind. I don't actually want it. And that really would have stuck a spanner in the works. So I don't think it was ever really in the offing that he'd be a future doctor unless he 100% confirmed that he wanted to be in the show long term. Mm-hmm. Though, of but, course, uh, it would have been cool if David Morrissey was actually, you know, cast as the next Doctor and they did do a story where you get to see the next Doctor before he regenerates, you know, as the Doctor. You know, we keep on saying that that would be a cool concept to do. It would be original, but um, it just seems a bit unlikely to me. Yeah, well, especially but, at this um, point now, you know. While I was um, waiting to come on... Uh, I sent a quick uh, message. I think he's dropped off now, Chris Burgess, or is he still in the queue? He was, um... His name is still on... Ch- mm, no, he, maybe he did... Yeah, he's greyed out now. I think he's quite busy today. They've got to record another um, Radio Free Skyro. Mm-hmm. And, uh, no, I did send him a message via Facebook because I got a message from him a few days ago about uh, when he's coming back to the UK and he's just said offhand about there being a David Morrissey signing and went, oh? <laughs> I suddenly thought, damn, I'd better message him and find out some details because I haven't found anything else about it. Well, please let us know. All I know, it might be halfway across Britain and a bit hard to get out yeah. for me, but it would at least be nice to know the details. If, if you find anything out, let us know, Chuck. Pass a note on to our site, thegallifrandembassy.org, and just so everyone can. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll drop you a line, and uh, to prove how quick uh, some of the creative people are in fandom, uh, if people check out this link, uh, that's a giant statue of the uh, Cyber King uh, built in the virtual world of Second Life less than 24 hours after the episode had aired, it was finished. Well, for those that are listening, okay. Tim just posted a link on the in the chat session, so I can't. It's a it's a very long link, so um, it's 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 a Facebook link. So. It's 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 on my Facebook. So if you go to my Facebook, if you're on among my Facebook friends, and Louis uh, you can put it in the show notes. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good idea. In the Hands Podcast, hopefully I'll I'll have that link in though. You well, may you need can, to be a uh, Facebook member to see channel. it. Perhaps I don't know. Yeah. Oh, it's pretty impressive. And, uh, Just see it, yeah. Yeah, on his shoulder is a Second Life TARDIS, which gives you some kind of scale. All right, well, and, uh, any other final comments, Tim? Well, before I go, I'll do the other blatant plug and the <laughs> other link, which is uh, I was so keen to review this episode that during the end credits, I recorded a two-and-a-half-minute review. <laughs> On that side. While the credits were still rolling, <laughs> waste no time. I thought, I thought I grabbed my recorder during the end of the program, and I thought I'm going to record this before it even ends during the credits, while it's dead fresh in my mind. And uh, Chris Burgett called, called it my initial impressions because it's just a bunch <laughs> of thoughts that I had rather than anything more focused, like I've said tonight. So, well, I'll, I'll leave you guys to it because uh, I've got to. Um, eat and drink and uh, be ready to DJ in second life in about 35 minutes. All right. Thanks again, Tim. Cheers, Tim. Uh, good, good luck with the rest of the Cheers. show. And, uh, I'll yes. listen to it in a few days' time. Cool. Thank you so much. Cheers. Yep. Bye. Good luck. All right. Well, we're trying to um, get everyone on board. Next is um, Benjamin Elliott this week in Doctor Who. Hello, Benjamin. Hello. 
Hi, welcome back. It's always great to have you on board, Benjamin. As everyone knows, Benjamin does This Week in Doctor Who, which is uh, available on the Yahoo groups. Um, there's links on, to it at gallifrey1.com as well. And um, it's always a pleasure to have you on board. And thank you. I just put a link in the chat as well. I'm hoping that link works, but we'll see. The, um, so the next doctor... With my imagination, it was very difficult for some of us outside the UK to see this one. It just would well, be more so than usual. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I have seen it, and I did enjoy it a great deal. I think most of my likes and dislikes have already been discussed. Uh, my initial review would be to give it a four out of five, because I did enjoy the story. One one thing I thought was neat was it seemed to be setting things up at the end of the episode. It does, it didn't play to me like a standalone story. It played like it was setting things up for the specials. And I actually gave it the four because if it doesn't, that'll be slightly disappointing, and the four is a good fallback rating if it disappoints me there. But we had 1851, and essentially... Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow, UK edition. If you remember that movie from years years back, Jude Law, Angelina mm-hmm. Jolie, Big sure. Monsters. So we have this great big monster blasting big chunks out of London in 1851. And we have Russell C. Davies writing where these invasions aren't being completely forgotten about like the old series. They're being mostly forgotten about, but people are remembering things. So how do we square big monster invasion in 1851 with the past 45 years of Doctor Who? I thought of two ways where it matches. The first one would explain why we're seeing the alternate universe Cyberman. That Cyberman, that Cyber King, you could say it's rather steampunk, right? Lots of the high technology and steam. Really like Pete's world itself. And Pete's world is almost identical to our own, but there's some changes. Imagine if Pete's world was created in 1851 because a bunch of Cybermen accidentally fell back through time. They left some technology behind, like the information spikes. Uh, people discovered by aliens in the 19th century. And so certain Honest, honorable people like Jackson Lake tell the world that they need to start preparing themselves and be ready to be in case they deal with monsters in the future. And so they develop organizations like uh, Pete's World Torchwood, and maybe they get a bit more fascistic or communistic because they're preparing. And essentially, they cre- essentially this story is the creation of Pete's World. So the Cybermen have created their own timeline. In which case, it would make perfect sense for these Cybermen to be there instead of our Cybermen, because it's stuff like this that will inspire John Lumick to create his Cybermen. Or does that sound like complete nonsense? I thought Hello? Lumick was uh, was just in um, sort of like the sort of like a Bill Gates-like character that um, was just. Upgrading. I, I don't know if you had any history of um, a past Cybermen of of any of any kind. Well, I'm saying that maybe this stuff, maybe these Cybermen be here. Maybe this sets in motion the types of technology in Pete's world, the sort of technology that leads to creating these Cybermen. That, in a sense, it's but a we're not on Pete's world. We're, we're, we're in this. Um, yeah. Are we? Well, according to the Me? doctor in in Rise of the Cybermen, it's it's he's not supposed to be in this in that alternate universe. It's um, and once he left, he wasn't able to go back supposedly. So um, yes, but the Age of Steel, the universes were sealed off forever, permanently. Doomsday, the universes were sealed off forever, permanently. Yeah, so we were during the end, <laughs> the walls, the, uh, the void between the universes collapses, and the doctor seals them off permanently. In my mind, getting rid of this big hole between the universes really means they're all right next to each other and ought to be very easy to get between them. So it seems to me Doctor could simply be wrong 
as usual, and simply have crossed over. My other thought was that the Cybermen have actually boxed up history here, and so Planet of the Dead, maybe he comes back to modern times and things go wrong because we have the Cybermen invasion in 1851, and Earth looks rather ruined that technology's gone wrong thanks to the past here. But maybe we're going to have a story arc where timelines have been rewritten and Earth is screwed. <laughs> Well, let's hope that uh, Planet of the Dead is a uh, is another planet out, not Earth. <laughs> let's hope. But if it's an Earth that's been messed up because of the Cybermen and they, being in 1851, then we're building on something. Yeah. Well, there's yeah. lots of speculation. Yeah, that's that's the fun of Doctor Who. You can speculate about these things. Any other final uh, comments to make? I, I, I don't mean to rush you, but we do have a lot of people in the queue. <laughs> well, I think I've said everything you've got to say about the episode. Uh, it, for people who are following my column, you might have read in the most recent edition, I'm making a few changes at the start of the year. I'm, for one thing, Sarah Jane and the podcast and other spinoff stuff are getting their own column, tentatively called the Sarah Jane Schedules. Um, rearranging how there's still good columns for Doctor Who information, but I'm lumping all of the Western Hemisphere into one section and all of the rest of the world into another section to try to make it easier to follow everything. And I'm keeping the torchwood. So I'm actually trying to put out four separate lines a week wow. because I simply can't find a way to combine it smaller. <laughs> well, I'll give you a lot of credit. It's a lot of, a lot of work. All right. Well, thank you very much, Benjamin. And um, I hope you, I don't know when we'll be doing the next live show, but um, you're always welcome back. So hopefully we'll, we'll hear from you soon. Okay. All right. Cheers. Well, bye. Bye. All right. Well, next in the queue is uh, Robert. Hi, Lewis. Hello, everybody. Hello. Welcome back. Happy holidays. Hello. Thank you. And uh, Robert, ah, I should say, is uh, from... I, I'm sorry, you're from uh, This Week in Doctor Who, or is that... Doctor Who Review Today. Doctor Who, I'm yeah. sorry. Uh, <laughs> show number 22756 to help you out there, Lewis. Thank you. <laughs> um, I'm going to hurry up because I know you got a lot of people in the queue, and I'm glad um, technology-wise we were able to get this worked out. Um, I really... Um, thought it was a so-so episode. Um, I noticed um, after watching it and going to the forums that um, there's some people that um, seem to feel that it was, a, it was an okay episode. Um, in reality, I, um, and this wasn't even a Christmas special, I really uh, was very impressed with the um, second episode of uh, the um, first season, The Unquiet Dead, with Christopher Eccleston. Uh, that seems to be one of my favorite out of all the, even though it wasn't a Christmas special, it was a Christmas story, but I would have to place uh, the next Doctor as the second uh, one because um, I'm into the Victorian era. Um, I'm a big Scrooge fan, and um, I just always liked the the setting that they had set up. I noticed that Morrissey sounded a lot like Peter Davison when he talked in the beginning, when he said that I am the Doctor, and if he if you really listen to his voice, he did sound like um, Davison a little bit. Um, the only thing that I have about uh, this episode, I just didn't like the creatures. Um, they were probably this, their version of the Cybermats or what, whatever you want to call it, the creatures. But I think that the faith plate reminded me of the early William Harnell, Patrick Trotton uh, Cybermen. If you look at you know the copper face that they had on the um, yeah. the, um, the creatures, the, the cyber shades kind of reminded me of that. <laughs> and uh, I think Morsi was wonderful in this. Uh, you know, some talk has been that you know, you know, talking about the next person to replace um, David Tennant. You know, it could be a possibility. You know, remember the arc of Infinity where uh, uh, we had Colin Baker in there, and then. Before he knew it, Colin Baker was the um, doctor. So, I mean, yeah, it wouldn't be that bad if he was. Um, 
the uh, the giant, the uh, robot, the cyber robot, did kind of remind me of the the Iron Giant. Um, I noticed while I was waiting, we've been talking about that earlier in the um, chat, and it did remind me of that when I was watching it. Um, I did like the the blending of the technologies between uh, um, the Cybermen technology and the steam whereby we have the steampunk which i think was was great i know that's a favorite of the team dog he's uh, brought that up um a lot and uh, just just the setting the, the victorian setting was wonderful I, and also the um the dedication to joel burns with the um with the balloon i thought was great and um i noticed too that um russell t Davies is trying to tie everything into canon thereby our uh, Earthstock putting up, and this was mentioned earlier too, um, the different faces of the Doctor, which I thought was a nice touch to to try to remember, you know, all the ones that portrayed the Doctor. Um, all in all, the episode, I give it a, a 3.5 out of 5 out of Taurus Grounds. I mm-hmm. think, um, you know, like I said, I, I would place it, and even though this is not a Christmas special, show, I would put it behind the Unquiet Dead. Because frankly, I wish Chris Rexon would have had another year, and I think if he would have had another year, that he probably would have had his own Christmas special. So, um, but this is far better um, than Boy to the Dam, and a uh, lot better than uh, um, the one like Bride. Although there was something that kind of brought up the question at the end when the doctor accepted the invitation, he did. That wasn't the first time he accepted. There was one other time, and that was with the um, first Christmas special with Rose. Because if you remember, the doctor joined Rose and um, her family for their Christmas. So yeah. I know it was just a mistake or just an oversight on that. But all in all, it was. It well, was, he was very it, reluctant at that time. If you recall, yeah, yeah but he finally decided to, and and um, also I think it was great too that he was allowed to keep the, the memories, but also it was more of a superficial um, situation than it was with Donna too. So I think Russell felt that you know the last you know the the journey's in. Um, some people did take it kind of hard about what happened with Donna, so he probably decided with this one to take it a little bit more better and say, well, here, I give you somebody, he gets to keep, you know, what memories he got from the info stamps, even though it was just kind of a, you know, not as bad as how Donna had it. So, mm-hmm. but that, that's all I have to say about well, it. But I want to thank everybody for having me on. Thank you. It's always a pleasure Thanks having, having you back on the show. And, uh, well, I thank you. And be sure to check out everybody your- have your podcast as well, which is um, um, Today in Doctor Who? Yeah, Doctor Who Review Today. Okay, I'm going to get it right yeah, one of these well. days. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay, Lewis. I do hey, you had, a, had an interesting day today and trying to get everything together. I think you're doing a great job. So, And, and it's great to hear from James, too. So, um, I've been wanting to say hi to you, James. So, well, good to hear you and have you. <laughs> Take it, bye. We we all appreciate James. All right, thanks. Take care. (laughs) Cheers. All right, well, we're trying to squeeze everyone in here. We're running a little late, so um, next up is um, none other than Tiggs. Hello, Tiggs. Welcome back. Hi, Lewis. Hi, everybody. Hi. Hi. Hope everyone's had a um, good Christmas, or at least better than those of us who ended up stuck in bed ill all day. Yeah. Uh, Sorry. Yeah, I was reading about that. Poor lad. Yeah, I spent most of Christmas Day in bed, but that did have a slight knock-on good effect. It meant that because I'd recorded The Next Doctor, I watched it today, and it's very fresh in my mind, which is very useful for doing a review. (laughs) Um, I really rather enjoyed it. Um, There were bits I saw coming, like I did manage to um, peg the origin of the other Doctor um, before it was actually revealed on screen, but I still really found it a really engaging story and very entertaining. And although I think I can probably 
nitpick more issues than I can think of really good standout things. I still really enjoyed it a lot. I just sometimes I think it's easier to nitpick than see the goods. But overall, I did really, really enjoy it. And I thought the writing, I actually enjoyed the writing. I thought the acting was really, really good. And that kind of the tone fit in well with the end of season four. And I thought David Morrissey, he really carried his part well. And also one thing that I don't think anyone has mentioned yet, his reaction when he went into TARDIS. Um, I think is actually the most realistic reaction anybody from any time period would probably have stepping into something like that. And I like the fact that he it just overwhelmed his mind because it was just it's just a really, really cool and realistic um kind of um attitude, I think. And also I liked all the little bits of kind of multi doctor humour in there. Um, which I thought was um, very amusing. And again, like a lot of people, I liked the bit where you could see all, you know, the little clips of all of the doctors actually given screen time. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you know, I think it was really, really nice to see that. I mean, you know, yeah, we saw, you know, we saw the sketches of them in um, Family of Blood, but it's nice that we've now actually seen, you know, kind of little bits of kind of moving footage and I think it worked that it was all in black and white because it meant that all 10 clips were on a par with each other yeah yeah I was just talking um, earlier about that you know about cyber technology I, not getting color yet I, th- I think it really worked now there were a few things that I found a little bit dodgy um one thing right I mean I know people picked up on it but right at the very end I saw it and there's only one thing that I could think Cyber Megazord online, I just saw it and thought, okay, that's straight out of Power Rangers. I mean, I like Giant Mechs. I really do. I'm just not entirely convinced he works for Spider-Man. Um, and I wasn't entirely... And it's entirely... a spaceship as well. Yeah, I know. I, I wasn't not really convinced by that, I have to say. It's, the one, oh, it's one of the two bits that I really didn't quite like the other bit being the cyber shades they just look a bit like pantomime dogs to me I'm afraid um, and oh, I can't remember who it was who commented earlier but um, yeah the, some of the CGI when you kind of you got these wide city shots it just looks it looks CGI maybe it's because I spend so much time watching like stuff in 3D and playing games and stuff I can I can tell Spotted. stuff that's computer generated, yeah. and it just looks—you you kind of—it just looked like you got this this computer generated Cyberman walking around a computer generated city, and it it just kind of it stuck out a bit too much, really. Um, but then again, maybe it's just because I'm—I've been like playing, playing spot the join with special effects for so many years now. I think I'm just too used to doing it, and maybe other people just kind of let that kind of stuff slide. And I suppose the only other minor nitpick that I had was um, when you kind of got all the kids in, like the, the Cyberman factory bit, it looked like they were in a, like, a kids' TV production of Oliver Twist or something. They just looked slightly overacting like they didn't want to be there. But, um, you know, all those nitpicks aside, I still, you know, I still really, really enjoyed it. I had a great time um, watching it um, watching it this morning, and, you know, it really kind of, put me in a good mood. I probably rated um, three and a half TARDIS groans, possibly going up to four pending a second viewing. Mm-hmm. Well, very good. Uh, I Fair enough. I hope you feel better. Watch it again and um, <laughs> get, <laughs> get this, um, nip this illness in the butt. <laughs> I think I'm, I'm, I'm mostly over it now. So it's just unfortunate that it's, it just kicked in at the beginning of the week and completely took me out on Christmas Day, but um, I know lots of people have been suffering, so if anyone else who's listening to this has had it, I really hope that you got over it quickly too. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, thanks again, Tiggs, and um, we'll, um, it's always great to have you back on the show. Mm-hmm. It's nice to be on. Thanks. Bye. Cheers. Cheers. Bye. Bye. All right, well, next in line mm-hmm. is... Um, Get awesome. Is... is <laughs> Is Dar skeptical? As and of course, I'm going to say it. Only he can be so bold. Hello, Darth. Welcome back. Hey guys. Hey guys. Hey. You know uh, there are a lot of really good things about this episode. 
it gets big props from me for being a genuine historical after last year's total red herring. It's got, you know, a plot, which is good. Mm-hmm. And it's a plot based on the unraveling of an interesting mystery, which we were, again, sorely missing last year. And it's got great direction from a first-timer. I don't, I don't think anybody's ever actually talked about this yet, but the direction in this thing is just great. In fact, it's rebellious direction, because the things that young Andy Goddard did in the library scene were apparently, quote, not how we film Doctor Who, unquote, according to Gardner and Davies. And really, that was the best scene in the entire thing. And let's not forget, it's certainly got Dervla Kerwin, the actor so great that her departure from Balakis Angel turned that program into a pale reflection of itself. And for the first 30 minutes, as Davies pointed out in his commentary, exactly the first 30 minutes, all these ingredients mixed together arguably better than anything we'd seen before on Christmas Day. But then, then, the mystery of the next Doctor was revealed, and suddenly the next Doctor became the next monster. It's all about, after that, getting the Cyber King up and running. And don't misunderstand me. I'm not one who hated the concept or execution of the Cyber King. Personally, I thought it was an eminently logical development for the Cybermen. Why wouldn't they create a mobile conversion factory? And why wouldn't it look like a Cyberman? Since, after all, they feel like they are the ultimate upgrade. In fact, the first thing that popped in my mind was, what a lovely nod to that fantastic Eighth Doctor audio, Human Resources. Now, see, my problem comes with the feeling of disconnect between the first half hour and the second. Mm -hmm. Okay, Jackson Lake is an incidental victim of the cyber invasion, and that's why he's in this story. That makes sense. But how is he personally involved in their defeat? The answer is that he's not really. Yes, his TARDIS is. Yes, in the second half, we discover his child, and that discovery solidifies his return to being Jackson Lake. But he is not himself at all involved in the resolution. After a really bold beginning, he fades rather meekly in the end. In other words, this story... So what you're saying is we finally have the doctor resolving a story. Yeah. Uh, Well, (laughs) I mean... I don't think that's a good thing in this case. In, in fact, what I, I think that this story is really is narratively, it's the reverse of the Christmas invasion. And to me, that's a pity. Because although I roundly despise the Cybermen, their singular narrative virtue is that they can amplify the value of simply being human. Becoming Jackson Lake could have been could have been, like the 10th Doctor finally waking up in the Christmas invasion. Realizing who he was and what had been taken from him could have made Lake usefully angry. Instead, well, of making him, in effect, a companion, or even somebody as useful as, say, Charles Dickens in The Unquiet Dead, he is sort of disqualified from being a hero because he's a dad now and therefore he can't fight. I mean, that's logical, but it's far from dramatic. And the result is that a potentially classic scene in which Dr. Lake saves Dr. Who never comes to fruition. As a result, this story is, when judged entirely on its own merits, a creature of two somewhat disparate halves, a truly excellent yeah, start absolutely. that seems only tangential to its ending. And, you know, it's also a story that will, I think, be judged quite harshly by history. We may like it now, but later on, we're not going to like this story that much. And I, I think this is the reason. See, it's got some connection to the past, that is, to the BBC Wales past. And in fact, it's the most explicit glue yet between the 1963 and 2005 versions of the show. But it's the first RTD episode I can think of that feels like a total narrative dead end. I thought that, I thought, you know, last year with Voyage of the Damned that maybe that was a dead end too, but... You know, given Series 4, there have been a lot of references back to Voyage of the Dan, and it's turned out to be a part of a narrative whole. But Russell T. Davies doesn't have that kind of time anymore. 
I don't think he's going to reference it again, and I certainly don't think that Moffat's going to come back to this thing and try to figure out, oh, what happened to the Cyber King. Nobody's going to care. This episode is going to be stranded out in the middle of nowhere. And, you know, the only thing that can make this episode relevant again is if the unthinkable happens and the lackluster Morrissey, yeah, I really didn't like him, somehow gets the nod for number 11. At that point, I'll be eating some crow, and I'll probably be stopping watching Doctor Who because he just was awful in this episode. But aside from that unlikely eventuality, there's nothing in this episode that really can be used again. And indeed, the way that this one played out makes me really nervous for the rest of 2009. This is a time that individual narrative, that is the narrative of a single story, matters more than ever because we've got so few of them. We're already working with a huge handicap. We know that everybody's leaving. So there's no mystery about the ultimate direction in which we're headed. Nothing will remain of this year come 2010 because there will be a kind of reboot at that point. That means the only reason for watching these specials is if they are actually special, if they're compelling in and of themselves. And the next doctor, well, you know, good enough for a Christmas one-off, simply isn't good enough as one of the final stories of a great Doctor's era. RTD clearly wanted this story to replicate the fresh excitement of the 10th planet, but instead, it's really just possessed of the unevenness of Planet of the Spiders. Now, there are a lot of other little things that I could talk about, like why in the world has the, the, the center of the Cybermen been changed into something that can now accept a port, a, a one of these info stamps? Why has it been turned into a receptacle for information when before it was the location of the emotion ship? Uh, why the doctor who has been warning us forever that you can't cross dimensional lines decides in this episode that as a matter of pure trash collection, he's going to open up the walls between the dimensions. I think that's totally stupid. And there are also lots of little other little things that are, that are bad about the episode. But in general, you know, you've you got to give like the first half hour a five and the second half hour a one, so it's a three. Mm-hmm. Well, I, you know, I yeah. said that too about the, there's two different stories going on here. And, uh, you know, I felt that disconnect as well you know where you kind of and i also agree with what you're saying as far as um you would think that jackson lake and the doctor would team up in the in the climax and the ending and, yeah. and work together and we're, yeah, just we're denied that totally denied that and you know the thing that sucks about that is that they appear to actually have good chemistry the, the one time that i really liked morrissey and the whole deal was when they were uh, you know getting pulled around on that rope mm-hmm. and then it failed at the end, and they just had a laugh together. And yeah. I thought, oh, that's kind of cool. That would be cool to have that replicated again. And I'm a huge advocate for having a male companion. Um, but, man, it just went off the rails at the end. But the weird thing is, though, it's still probably the second-best Christmas story in terms of the actual plot, in terms of the... Mm-hmm. Um, the narrative alone, it's still the second best one. It's probably the third best in terms of everything altogether. Certainly it's an improvement over last year, but I, I don't buy the argument that Ken was making earlier where he's like, well, you know, it's just a Christmas episode, so therefore you view it in a different way. I, We don't have time for that anymore. I mean, that may have been fine when, you know, it's only three months until you get your next hit or whatever, but this particular Christmas episode... Knowing what we know about it, knowing that it's uh, one of the five last stories of David Tennant, I'm angered that it is, you know, again, not as inspiring as the first two Christmas specials were. Yeah, I mean, I, I understand what you're saying. I don't know if um, if I would say that the first two were that, well, I think it's the Runaway Bride, I think, really warrants watching again after series four and um i I think i enjoyed it as i saw it again this uh holiday season for the first time after series four and donner i think plays you know a more it's a more compelling story and and you feel more for her now that you know her better 
than um, right. than beforehand. And as you were saying, going back to this story, you can enjoy it for what it is, but I don't, you know, I don't think it's going to be attached to anything else that we'll see in the future. Yeah, it's 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 weird that I don't know. I just had a different view of what these specials were going to be like. And, and you know, again, this is actually from a production standpoint, this is actually the 14th episode of season four, and not really the first of the specials. But I'm, I'm really hoping that these specials going forward will be vignettes that matter. They uh, will, will give us something that we can really remember. Uh, I mean, there's, a, there's an opportunity here to do anything in the world. You don't have to worry about an overarching uh, story arc. You just have to worry about telling one good story at a time. So you, you can do anything. I just hope it's it, because they'll be free from maybe the unstated pressure of being a, 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 a Christmas episode. Maybe they will just be like as good as Blink or as good as Midnight, you know, a one-off really scary thing that largely doesn't have to be a part of anything else. I, I hope it goes that way. And, you know, I, the other thing that's really weird is if you were in Britain and you were watching BBC One, you would have seen Doctor Who, and then you would have seen um, Wallace and Gromit. And the Wallace and Gromit episode was way dark. I mean, sure, it's still a comedy, but it was way, way darker than this episode. So I think you could take Doctor Who and you could make it darker on Christmas than what we've been getting. And I hope that's what we'll see eventually with Stephen Moffat. If that is, you know, by the time that we get to 2009, RTV hasn't completely killed the appetite for this sort of thing. I mean, he's really got to do something. I mean, well, we think that episode, uh, the Christmas episode in 2009 will be the regeneration thing. So that will in and of itself be something a lot of people will want to watch. But I hope that we get a 2010 Christmas episode and that at that point it's just dark. Mm. Well, time will tell as it always does with Dr. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Daw, thank you so much. I, I don't mean to to rush you off, but we, no, no. we're we're pushing two hours back. here and we got one last caller. So uh but I think you're you offer a lot of insight as always and um and, and good perspective on um of, of the show and, and of the episode. Cool. Thanks a lot, guys. Good to hear from you this holiday season. Yes, yeah, same here. Well, uh take care. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers, Thanks. Bye. All right, and now we're going to um, round things off here, and then um, before we hit the two-hour mark, let's hope, uh, with, um, and I don't know if I'm going to get this right, uh, Eludes? Eludes? Did I get that right, or I mangled your name? I'm sorry. Oh, that's okay. It's uh, pronounced Elwevis. Okay. <laughs> I'm glad you said that, because I, I would never have gotten it. <laughs> well, that's fine. Uh, well, I'm a longtime downloader, first time on TalkShoe, so this has been interesting. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Um, just want to start real quick before talking about the Christmas episode. Uh, I did post on here that I was at the Chicago TARDIS this year and got to meet. Oh, I, I didn't didn't get his name, but the uh, gentleman that played the mind robber robot. Oh, yeah, Billy Davis. Uh, yeah, he's a special yeah. correspondent. Yeah. Uh, very nice guy. My, I had my six-year-old my three-year-old with me, and uh, that evening, right towards the end of the uh, costume contest, uh, my kids ran right up to him, and, and uh, he played with them for a little bit. So uh, it was a great experience all around. Uh, and Colin Baker and uh, Elizabeth Sladen were amazing uh, to me, and the same same thing with my kids they didn't show up until saturday night and i got to uh meet both of them on friday and they remembered them the next day without even having met them from me talking about how they're into the show and uh just made their time they're really great uh i've been a fan since i was six years old so it's been a good 30 years that i've been watching doctor who since uh, i started watching on wttw in chicago mm-hmm so it's it's just been a great experience, and then here, thirty years later, being able to share it with my uh, my two boys and my wife's even gotten into it, uh, especially with David Tennant. So um, it's great that you can we, see it again, fresh through their eyes as well. 
Oh, definitely. It's it, it's been a great experience in that. And um, well, with the Christmas episode that we watched, uh, it was great. We we really enjoyed it. Uh, I would definitely give it four out of five. And I, I know the argument back and forth of looking at this like any other episode or kind of looking at it slightly separately since it's a Christmas special. Uh, but as a Christmas special, we thought it was a lot of fun. Uh, it was great. I loved the uh, Cyber King. At first, I was like, okay, this is a little cheesy, but, well, it's a Christmas episode. So I, I, I took it as that, being just a slightly uh, different take on Doctor Who. Yeah. But um, overall, just really enjoyed it. I, I know my wife kept smacking me a few times because I, I just could not get over uh, Dervla. Uh uh, Kerwin is Miss Hardigan. Uh, mm-hmm. I thought, I don't know. I, I, I just thought she was hot. Um, and, and just something about the way she, she talked. I don't know if, uh, that's how this actress, that's her normal voice or not in other shows or not, but there was just something about the way she sounded, um, slightly evil, but at the same time, kind of, I, I don't know, uh, seductive, but, um, Wasn't she supposed to be playing a woman of the night in in that period? Yeah, it kind of came off that it it seemed that she may have been uh, that or at least a madam. Uh, So it kind of worked. It was just that voice. Um, It just really worked. Mm -hmm. But overall, it it was a lot of fun. We definitely enjoyed it. It was a great Christmas episode. Um, And I I know uh, what Doug's comment was, well, you know, we know the end is almost here with, with David Tennant and couldn't they have just done something a little different made rushed it better or, or something along those lines. But, um, I'm not sure if they even truly knew for an absolute fact that Tennant wasn't going to be back when they were dealing with the story anyway. So, uh, in that respect, I kind of assumed they, they were also assuming he'd probably be back. I looked at his probably the specials were, uh, done for his benefit to take on his roles with the Shakespeare Company uh, to allow him to continue with Doctor Who, to also do that, and to uh, be able to work with him enough that he would be willing to come back for another full season afterwards. Well, according to the writer's tale, they already knew at this point when David was leaving. Okay. I, I still haven't had a chance to read that and, one yet. And so. then they had to scramble when it got when the news of it got into the press. Because I, I don't think that they were really planning on doing much in 09. And then they, uh, when the thing, the story hit the press, they then scrambled to, to increase the number of specials that they'll have during 09. So it doesn't seem like a total year without Dr. Who. Oh, makes sense. Um, but otherwise, I, I don't know what else to say. It, it was just like I said, um, it was a great evening just just watching it with uh, the family, and the kids were really into it. My youngest, uh, since he's only three, going on four, he he kind of goes back and forth a bit. He'll he'll get into some episodes and some he won't. Uh, but that night, Saturday night, he was uh, or Friday night, he was really into watching uh, the story, and and my older one was really uh, getting into the. Uh, Cyber cyber shades, I guess. He thought they were kind of cool. I'm still not sure, sure about that myself. Um, would like to have had a better explanation of who they were. But overall, it, you know, I don't expect every single thing in an episode to be explained. Uh, otherwise, then it just gets too tedious. Yeah, we may get a better explanation of them in a future story, perhaps. perhaps. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, I, I I do agree that I would like to see something of more of the Mondas version of the Cybermen, and hopefully uh, we will see them eventually. And yeah, the only thing we've seen of them is a head in a museum, uh, a Cybermen, exactly. you know, back in 2005. So it's not quite ignored. Yeah. 
So hopefully we'll see maybe maybe some sort of a amalgamation of of the two universes uh, together in a in a Cyberman. You know, uh, I know they invest a lot in, in the new costumes and all that, but if they just took the C off the chest, I would be even happy. I mean, even if they were to evolve the same way, you know, just to get the the original Cyberman back would be a, a treat. And as long and hopefully they are be a, more like the original Cyberman as far as. Um, as James was saying, more intelligent, more uh, less drone-like, and just um, I don't know. I, I just I, I just find that the new Cyberman from Pete's World to be a, a bit repetitive and and dull. And and also the original Cyberman have this history with the Doctor, where Pete's World Cybermen have a very short history with them. Okay. All right. Well, thanks for calling. I gotta um, end this show because it's we're already past the two-hour marker and <laughs> we well, went into well into overtime. Well, yeah. Well, thank you for giving me the chance to be on here. This has been a lot of fun. Thank you so much. Thank you for being here. We'll look forward yeah. to having you back on. Oh, definitely. All right. Cheers. 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 So, um, any other final comments about the next doctor before we close things out? I think I think everything, has, as far as I can see, has been said. Mm-hmm. So I want to thank everyone for. Yeah, I think we off about the uh, the first half. Well, I mean, I don't want to distract and say it wasn't good because the first half showed so much problems, and that's why I get annoyed with the second half. But uh, there's no doubt about there was an awful lot of good things to point out. Yes. Yeah. Well. You know, sometimes as fans, we have a you know a high passion for you know obviously something that we care about, so <laughs> we tend to tear it apart. But you know, Darth makes some good points, and um, as you do, Dave, and as you know, and but James and Ken also make good points as well. That it's um it's still an enjoyable story regardless. And but we have uh, four more specials to go, and so we'll be doing. Obviously, we'll be doing these live shows for each special, and it's still unclear about what other live shows we'll be doing, perhaps in between. But uh, be assured that we'll be back, and I think around Easter time, April, I think is when Planet of the Dead is due to uh, be transmitted. Yeah. All right. Well, I want to thank everyone that was involved in today's show. It's too long a list to go in order, but uh, I do want to thank uh, Ken who had to scoot off, and of course um, my ever so uh, partner in crime mr james norton it's good to have you back on on um, on the live show always good to be here whenever i can be and uh and dave and Taras, thank you both you're welcome Cheers. all right well we're gonna close things up here once again thanks for joining us uh, i hope everyone uh, at least um you know enjoyed the next doctor to some degree and We'll be back in a few months for Planet of the Dead. And until then, we'll have our studio shows. Uh, make sure you visit gallifrandembassy.org or podchock.net for our regular podcast. And um, until then, cheers, everyone. been listening to Doctor Who Pachock by the fan run org and presented by Outpost Gallifrey at gallifreyrun.com. Doctor Who is owned and trademarked by the BBC. Doctor Who Pachock is not affiliated with the BBC in any way. Come back next time for another exciting and informative episode of Doctor Who Pachock. You can email us at feedback at pachock.net. Opening theme by Jeff Smith at thejeffsmith.com. This is Louis Trapani. You can follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash Louis Trapani. This Art Trap production is brought to you by the Gallifrey Embassy and has been made possible in part by donations from listeners like you. I'm the Doctor. Simply the Doctor. The one, the only... And the best.